Welcome to the first official episode of Couch Potato Diary of 2022. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for downloading today. We are coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is a leading locally owned cleaning company in Calgary. They have a team of professional and insured sanitizing experts ready to tackle any commercial or residential cleaning job with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. I can definitely vouch for that. They cleaned our place before my family came over on Christmas Eve, and it looked immaculate. There were places that were clean that I didn't even know they were dirty until you came in and, oh, that's what that's supposed to look like. Phenomenal job by them. Can't recommend them enough. ClearwaterCleaningSolutions.com is their website. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. And you can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com with the shout out to Wasted Talent for the music provided for the show today. Uh, I say first official show. We have a bonus episode out right now covering Wrestle Kingdom 16, Night 1. It is in the books. No spoilers here, but go check that one out. It's about 20 minutes long uh, and instant reaction at five in the morning. Hear me stumble over a bunch of Japanese pronunciations as I work my way through a lack of sleep for what was a noteworthy card, if nothing else. And we'll have another one hopefully coming to you tonight. A few things I want to get to um, in this show, and we'll start in the National Football League as we start a lot of shows, as we are now heading into the uh, last part of the longest regular season in the history of the National Football League, and <laughs> some teams look it. Um, but for one team, or for a couple of teams, I guess, there were some massive wins this week. And I think we have to start with the Cincinnati Bengals, who we, we've said a couple of times this year on this show that this is a team that has like has potential, but I feel like they are a year away. Well, now it doesn't feel like they are a year away, as they have faced adversity head-on. They, they have had some really key wins this year. You think back to that Denver game, where they weren't necessarily playing very well, they were trailing, and they come up with a, a couple of big plays. They've had a few games like that this season, where they have just faced adversity and been able to, to fight their way back. And the thing that I like about the Bengals is that this is a team that can handle a number of different situations. Down by a couple of scores against Kansas City, Jamar Chase is going to take over. Uh, taking on a, a Raider team that has been scrappy all season long, and we'll get to them in a second, but uh, instead of trying to force things, let's just run the ball and just hammer it down your throat, and they were able to do that as well. This is a Bengals team that has been able to beat teams in a number of different ways, and I, I still I still don't envision this team playing for the Lombardi Trophy um, later on in February, but I if they... They're at the point now where I, I'm at least sorry, <laughs> at least willing to have that discussion. That this was an important win, I think, for the Bengals, and this wasn't a, a Chiefs team that had nothing to play for. They had everything to play for with that first round bye potentially. And I mean, for Kansas City to not close out the, the show on that is very concerning. But for the, the Bengals, there is a belief there now. And this is, I think, a very dangerous team. But one thing I will caution as we go into this, if and when the Bengals stumble and maybe if they don't make it to the, the, the Super Bowl, I don't necessarily want to hear the, oh, well, they'll be back. Because, like, we, we all think they will be, but we've seen this a number of times. Look at even Buffalo this year, where the, they'll probably be back in, in, um, in, I mean, they're back in the playoffs, and they'll probably be back into a, a bit of a deep playoff run, but it has not been easy for them this year. This stuff is never linear. Uh, NFL careers are just a series of short sample sizes, and then you retire. 
the Bengals here, that this is great, but this is something that needs to be built on and not just taken for granted. Uh, we talk about big boy wins. That was one for the Raiders. And we've had four Vegas this season. It feels like there have been some wins where it's been, well, they, this team did this. And oh, well, this team had that. No, 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 no. There, there were no excuses for the Colts. They that was a game the Colts needed to win, and the Raiders came in and took it from them. And it was a combination of the defense stepping up with some big plays in that fourth quarter. The offense comes up with some big plays. Hunter Renfro is apparently just unguardable. And Derek Carr, there there was a sense of calm there in that last two-minute drive. The game is tied, so that helps. But it, you just kind of got the feeling like, oh, no, he's he's going to do this. And you don't know where this Raider season is going to end up. They have to beat the Chargers now on Sunday Night Football in order to get into the postseason. And a couple of other things could happen to to help get them there. But this has been an incredibly resilient bunch all season long. And we've talked about the Raiders maybe looking to, to move on from Derek Carr. It's, it's games like that last one that just make it so hard to do that. Because again, he just cares so damn much about being a Raider. And just really embraces what that means. And this has not been an easy year for the Raiders. And look, the Raiders are far from the biggest victim of everything that's happened around them this season. Obviously, with the, the Henry Ruggs situation that ends up taking the, the life of a young woman. And with John Gruden with some just absolutely horrible things to say about other human beings. The, the, the Raiders, the football aspect of this is far from the biggest issue with this. But this, when you look at a couple of the losses that the Raiders have had this year, like that, that Bears loss is definitely one that you can put on the weird situation with John Gruden that was hanging over the team. And the Giants loss is one that you can definitely put on the weird situation that was hanging over this team with Henry Ruggs and everything that was going on there. You add a couple of very winnable wins in there, and this is a Raider team that's competing for top spot in the AFC. That This is a remarkably resilient bunch and however this ends if it ends on Sunday night against the Chargers or if it ends in the postseason I'll be interested to see what this Raider offseason is like because I think there is something there to build on but because there are real wins in this run like that one against the Colts is a real win that win against the Ravens is a real win that they have beat some real teams this year if they do it one more time, they're in the playoffs for the first time in six years. And I was thinking about this from a Raider fan perspective. Every time the Raiders are hanging around a playoff spot since the um, since the Super Bowl loss to Tampa Bay, there's something weird going on with it. Like in 2016, Derek Carr goes down with the injury um, as this team is on the rise. And if you will recall, it seems far-fetched now, but if you will recall, there were people talking about Carr for MVP, and there were people talking about the Raiders as a team that could compete with the Patriots for the AFC title. That's that's how good that Raider team was playing that year, and things have certainly fallen off since then, but they, they make it into the playoffs and get beat by the Texans because they just had no quarterback play whatsoever. And then you look at the time before that where they had a chance to get into the playoffs with Jason Campbell on an absolute tear. He goes down with an injury. They bring in Carson Palmer. He doesn't get adjusted in time, and then they have an awful game in Week 17, and the season is over. There's always... Hey, the Raiders are right there, but there's this thing that's out of their control that I, I think definitely lends them to uh, falling off a little bit quicker than maybe they might have. But that that at the end of the day, that is a big win for the Raiders, and those were I think two of the biggest wins of the weekend. I think the biggest loss of the weekend goes to the Miami Dolphins, as we we knew that like 
after that seven-game losing streak, we had a pretty good idea. Ah, maybe this isn't the team we thought they were going to be. <laughs> but they should have... That that game shouldn't have been that much of a blowout. The Titans, we've talked about them getting a little bit healthier, but that team should not be 31 points or whatever it was better than the Miami Dolphins. And now there are some real questions about Miami because that was that was the prove-it game for Tua because he has had a bit of an up-and-down year and we've been able to say, well, the losing's not because of Tua. He's actually playing pretty well in these games. It's the team around him. But then they go on a winning streak and now that was the game to prove that he had a, a opportunity to elevate his game. Not even, even if they lose that game, it's whatever, but he played dreadful football in that game. And now Miami has some decisions to make coming up this season. Do you build around Tua? Do you go out and make a move for one of the quarterbacks that could potentially be available? Obviously, the ties to Deshaun Watson are what they are. If Deshaun Watson is cleared of um, his medical situation, or not medical situation, sorry, his legal situation that is going on right now, do the Dolphins go out and make that move? And what kind of a trade asset do you have in a Tua Tungavailoa? So a... A real bad day for the Miami Dolphins, and one that I think, I don't want to say like changes the course of the franchise or anything like that, but I think this is definitely one that makes you look a little bit harder at what's going on with Tua Tungavailoa. On the other side, Mike Vrabel is coach of the year with the, the Tennessee Titans. They have gone through so much in terms of injuries this season to the most important players on their team. This is essentially... Any other team in the league losing their starting quarterback and finishing first in the conference. They have the potential to do that. They could still slip on a banana peel here coming up in week 18. But Mike Vrabel deserves all of the roses for the coaching job that he has done this season. And now the potential of getting Derrick Henry back and not having to travel until the Super Bowl. This is a Titans team that I, I think has real high aspirations now. And it did not seem like it was going to be like, like that when they were losing to the Jets in the middle of the season. This is... This is a hell of a turnaround. On the opposite end of that is Baltimore, who lose to the LA Rams, and this is just a, a frustrating lost season. You have Lamar Jackson, who it does appear has taken a bit of a step as a quarterback, but then you have a team that's built on running the football, and you've had six running back injuries this year. And then you have Lamar Jackson go down with, with an illness and with injury and with all the weird stuff going on in the world right now, and you have a backup quarterback who comes in and starts playing pretty well, but then you have injuries in your secondary, and it's just, it's it's too much for this team to overcome. And it, it has to be so frustrating to see what is a pretty talented Baltimore Ravens team. They, they still have an opportunity, I believe, to, to get in, but th this is a difficult, difficult lost season for Baltimore. When you look at the landscape of the AFC, and you see that the, the Chiefs still have a couple of warts on them, and we've talked about the issues that Tennessee has had, and you look at the, the stumbles that Buffalo has had, and the stumbles that the Patriots have had, this felt like a year for a team to just rise up and grab this thing. And maybe that could have been the Ravens if even just a couple of guys don't go down with an injury. And that has to be so frustrating. On the Rams side, I still look at this as a good team that's missing that quarterback piece. Matthew Stafford has been getting worse and worse as this season goes along. And now with no opportunity at that one seed, you wonder how important winning this game this weekend is for them because... I mean, they, they definitely need to win this game, but they also need Matthew Stafford healthy for the playoffs, and he just does not look right right now. And we we talked, we went through the quarterbacks a couple of weeks ago and looked at 
who could be available and what are some teams that might need a quarterback, I firmly put the Rams in that spot. I think this is a very, very good football team that has a very inconsistent quarterback. And if Stafford has three good weeks, this team could win the Super Bowl. There is absolutely no denying that. Even if he has three eh, weeks, this team has made it to the Super Bowl with worse. But he, he still is not the answer in L.A. Um, I, I'm sure they're going to be aggressive in finding that this coming offseason. Big win for the Cardinals. They're back on track as they beat the Dallas Cowboys. Questions remain about Dallas as that was not a Cardinals offense that had been giving teams that much issues. And again with the Cardinals, the thing that gets me about what they're doing on offense right now is that there are so many pieces on this team that are contributing that don't really feel like they should be contributing and don't don't feel like they should be giving you that much of an issue right now. But they are. And the, the Cardinals... I still think that this is a team that's fallen off and still don't think that this is a team that is one of those, oh, would hate to play them in the, the first round of the playoffs. But th- this is a, a good building season for Arizona, for sure. Now we get to the Antonio Brown meltdown. And I'm of two minds of this. Because on the one hand, I don't think this guy should have been given another shot in the league anyway until a few things get resolved, right? And... And so it, it's, you have a tough time feeling sorry for someone who has been accused of doing what they are doing, but then, like, there's clearly something wrong with him. He, he clearly, he needs help. That This was not a funny situation. That This was an obvious cry for help and an obvious situation where someone has a lot of things going wrong with them. And you just, you, you hope now that he gets the help that he needs. And NFL teams, stop signing this guy. Uh, unless you're going to sign him with the caveat that you're going to get help first. We we are going to cover all the costs. You're going to go, you're going to get yourself fixed because there is something going on with you right now that is just, it's it's not right. And maybe it is unfixable with CTE. Uh, there's been a lot of advances going on with that, but th- this seems like a pretty clear-cut case of it. And there, there aren't a whole lot of solutions out there right now for what Antonio Brown is, is dealing with. Um, the, the reaction from the media to these types of things is always so cringy because there was someone, I hope Tom Brady calls this guy out for quitting on his team. This is reprehensible behavior. It's like this, this is the line in the sand you're drawing. Hey, nothing until this point has been the, the part where Tom Brady needs to step in and disown this fellow. Huh? This, this was the straw that broke the camel's back for you. Letting his team down. Huh? Ah, gotcha. Okay. We're going to ignore the allegations against the masseuse or from the masseuse and and those types of things. We're going to ignore all that. This is the big problem. Gotcha. Cool. Great. Awesome. Speaking of cringy, uh, everyone falling over them all over themselves to praise Ben Roethlisberger in what is probably his final home game with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And from a Steeler fan perspective, I get how difficult this would be because this is someone who has been an incredibly important part of an incredible stretch for the the franchise that you cheer for, right? Like he. He, he has led them to a couple of Super Bowls and ha- has had this team at a level of consistent relevancy that they, they I mean, they, they've had it, they're one of the marquee franchises in the, the National Football League, but this has been a sustained run of 
being relevant and being a, a title contender almost every year. At, at least one of those teams that if they went on a run, no one's going to be, oh, wow, the Steelers are in. And Ben Roethlisberger admittedly was a very big part of that, but he has also been a very big disappointment off the field. And so it's difficult to wrap your head around celebrating a guy, again, accused of the things that he's been accused of. And and now it appears that this era of Steeler football is over and there was a bit of selfishness from him saying, no, I'm not going to mentor any young quarterbacks that come in here. And so it felt like the team just didn't even try at that point to, to find uh, an heir apparent. So now now we'll see because this is a very good football team. Like they, they have won without a quarterback all season long. He has been one of the bottom three quarterbacks in terms of effectiveness all year long. And they, they are still in the playoff hunt with a week to go in the NFL season. So if they can get a guy there to help guide this team, that this could be a, a very dangerous team. But you look at Ben Roethlisberger and you look at what AB is going through now and you look at those Steelers teams and you see the note that Mike Tomlin has now gone 15 years without a losing season in the National Football League and you just earn so much more respect for this guy. Is he an X's and O's genius? Uh, probably not. There's, there's some times where he makes decisions that you scratch your head at, but in terms of controlling things and in terms of getting the most out of players there are very few in the league who have done it better and you look at the players that he had in that locker room as they are going into some of these games and going into um, some of these playoff races and winning games and winning in the postseason it's pretty wild to to see now how he was able to to harness all of that on the opposite end of that is Joe Judge who keeps embarrassing himself that was just an epic rant about, well, hey, guys keep telling me they want to come here. They they absolutely want to come here. The, and again, no player who is going to be a free agent is going to just completely, publicly anyway, or at least to that team, just completely scrap them. Yeah, no, 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 we're not going there. Because that takes away a bit of leverage. Like, it's, it's just, it's negotiating 101. It's crazy to me that he can't figure that out. And he's just so in his own head about what he is building. And it can't, it's just, it's a lack of accountability that really makes you cringe there. And now if you're a Giants fan, are they in the worst spot in the NFL? Because like Jacksonville has the quarterback, right? Like they, they have Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, hasn't looked very good for even a moment this season. Like there, there haven't been a whole lot of, okay, that's the dude. And it's been a piss poor situation there, but that's a little concerning, but at least there is something there. For the Giants, what do you have to look forward to? Well, maybe when the new GM comes in and we start over for the third time, maybe things will be better. Well, we have this coach who has lost his ever-loving mind. Well, maybe, like, you, you're really excited to watch another year of the downfall of Saquon Barkley? Uh, another year of Daniel Jones? Like, no, that this is that there is absolutely nothing to look forward to. At least in Detroit, they're playing hard for the coach, right? Like the the Giants got embarrassed by the Bears. That that was one of the worst losses of the season. So you you go on through the 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 bottom teams in the NFL. I think the Giants are in a worse spot than Jacksonville. I think they're in a worse spot than Detroit. I think they're in a worse spot than their uh, roommates, the the New York Jets, who again at least are playing hard and at least their coach is getting something out of them and at least there's a glimmer from the quarterback that there might actually be something going on there. There's nothing with the Giants. It is starting right from scratch out there again. And that has to be so damn depressing from a Giants fan standpoint.
music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. So, we all got killed by recency bias in the college football playoff as we are heading toward Georgia against Alabama for a national championship. And, like, Alabama, there's a couple of things coming out of this now. One, Alabama running over Cincinnati is not an indictment on any smaller school that wants to get in for the rest of forever. It's just a Alabama is that much better than Cincinnati. You can have the discussion about we, we've now seen, like, maybe these teams that are coming from lesser records, maybe they don't hang quite as well with some of the, the big boys, and maybe they don't, they don't hang quite as well as we think, but that doesn't mean they don't deserve the opportunity to be there, so I, I want to kill those conversations right away. But we definitely got killed on recency bias with Georgia, as they get beat up real bad in the uh, SEC title game against Alabama. And then it's Michigan, and hey, they've gotten over the hump. Like, it was just, there were so many narratives going on there. They've gotten over the hump with the Ohio State win. This is the best they've played under Harbaugh. And then you watch the game for five minutes, and oh, yeah, these teams aren't close. (laughs) It was was one of those, you had to take a step back for a second and just be like, oh, right, Georgia's was the best team in the country for every week but one this year. That They probably need to be respected a little bit more. And I, I still respect them going into a matchup now against Alabama. Um, I, I think given the opportunity to um, kind of study what went wrong and try to figure some things out, I think Georgia keeps this one a little bit closer. I would favor Alabama in a national championship game, but th- this was definitely a reminder that we need to look at a bigger picture instead of just a couple of weeks, especially in college football and especially in the college football playoff where you had four weeks to prepare for this game. Uh, one more quick note, Caleb Williams going into the transfer portal is interesting as the, the coach who kind of got him there, Lincoln Riley is no longer in Oklahoma. He's off at USC. And you know, if Caleb Williams goes to USC, there's going to be people screaming bloody murder about NIL about how, Oh, well, see, this is the, the end of some of the, the smaller teams or the, the, the teams in smaller communities. Everyone's going to go to LA. Everyone's going to go to New York. Everyone's going to go to all these places. Everyone's going to go to Alabama. They already do. Um, because now teams are going to be able to, to mask payments and whatever, even though this kind of shit happens all the time. Anyway, you know that there are going to, that the people who desperately don't want to pay these kids are going to be just absolutely clutching every pearl they can find if a top prospect leaves Oklahoma for USC. Um, And also, get all the way the fuck out of here with, again, the pearl we're having, or clutching, or whatever, about kids not wanting to play in the bowl games. Like, they, they have battled all season long. They are now right on the cusp of an opportunity to make life-changing money and to, to change their life and to reach a, a lifelong goal that 0.000001% of the population will ever reach. You can forgive them if they want to sit out the Meineke Car Care Bowl. Even if they want to sit out one of the, the, the big games, this is now creating an opportunity for younger players to, to step in. Is it quitting on your team? I, I don't know. Maybe. Don't care. I, I, I just, uh, I would hate to be the player who was there for his teammates when his ACL exploded in the Tony the Tiger Bowl and 
But hey, at least he was there for his teammates. He's only going to make uh, about $80,000 playing in the Canadian Football League now as he tries to work his way back. And he's going to have to play in the XFL and maybe make a trip over to Berlin to, to try to, to get back what he lost in that. But hey, thank God he was there to cover a kick in the third quarter. It, it's just, it's, and it's, everyone is saying, oh, well, it's obviously ESPN in, in Herb Street's ear and whatever. And maybe it is. But again, like I, I think that there's just a bit of old school mentality with some of these guys. And it's just, it's tough for them to get over. And by the way, this whole NIL thing is going to improve that greatly, where guys will be able to, to make um, an actual living playing in some of these college football games instead of making absolutely nothing and then trying to cash in on an NFL dream. I, I think you're going to see more players playing in bowl games now because they're making a little bit of money going forward. It's not going to be a ton, but I, I think there are going to be some for sure. In the NHL, the big story is the Edmonton Oilers and the absolute dumpster fire that has been this team for the last, uh, well, for the last little while, but we have a bit of a break in there. But they've lost a billion in a row. They've gone from being one of the best teams in the league to one of the worst teams in the league. And all of a sudden, you have the, well, do they need to fire the coach? And the answer to that is certainly no. Was the answer to why Edmonton was playing so well at the beginning part of the season because of brilliant coaching? No. This has always been a roster construction thing. And if Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are playing well enough to overcome a poorly crafted roster, this is, I don't think in any way, uh, a coaching error. I just, I don't know what he can do. And I, I th this is one of the more respected coaches in the league. I think this is one of the better coaches in the league. And if you are letting him go, like maybe a Travis Green can come in and help turn things around. Maybe a, uh, the, the new voice of Elaine Vigneault can come in and help turn things around. But they have had, in Connor McDavid's time, they've had more coaches than playoff series wins in Edmonton. This is not this is not a coaching thing. This is, Ken Holland has built a poor team around two of the best players in the National Hockey League of the last 30 years, and now you're seeing the results of it. This is not a coaching issue. This is a roster that needs to get figured out in the worst way possible. I still think that this is an Edmonton team that can make some noise, and this is still an Edmonton team that can be very threatening at playoff time. This is definitely a big-time slump, but... I don't think firing the coach is the answer in Edmonton. We have gotten way too trigger happy with firing the coach to to try to save a, a three. Uh, in this case, it's a pretty big tailspin, but to to try to salvage a couple of wins to get back on track. I I just I don't think that's the way to win in the National Hockey League right now. Want to close the show with the passing of John Madden, as that that happened over the holidays. We were doing uh, best and worst of stuff, and I, I know I said this about Steph, so I, I hope I'm not being or coming across as too hyperbolic. I don't know if any one individual has been more important to a sport, and maybe two sports in general than John Madden. Like it's it's him and probably Tiger Woods in in that category. And then there's a probably a pretty big gap and then like Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky. Like you you have you have guys who have been very important, but John Madden covers it on a few different levels. First of all, as a coach, a brilliant coaching mind and someone who while the Raiders have fallen off over the last little while, someone who was a marquee piece of a marquee franchise at a big time for that franchise. So you have the, this the, this face and this name value. And then the, the biggest impact um, 
it's tough to really say the biggest impact that he had. But for one generation, the biggest impact that he has is as a commentator. And I, this one, I, I certainly believe no one has made the impact on the sport that John Madden has made from the commentary desk. That one is undeniable. He is the goat when it comes to that because he made it a, he, you came away from every John Madden broadcast smarter about the sport of football. And he did it in an entertaining way. There wasn't a talking down to you. There wasn't a, well, this team just wanted it more. He was entertaining with the booms and the huzz and blah, blah, blah. like toward the end of his career, he became a bit of a soundboard and became kind of the, the Madden commentator, but he was integral in smartening up the football fan across the country on a weekly basis. And that cannot be overlooked. Like we, you have a lot of commentators. Now there are a couple that are doing it pretty well, but we also have so many other things that these guys need to get to in the span of 40 seconds in between plays that it, it's a bit more difficult for them to explain the, the next level. And for John Madden, he had kind of a blank canvas to, to work with. And I, I think that he did a phenomenal job of explaining the X's and O's to the football fan that, I mean, they, they knew like you had a base knowledge of the sport, but then to kind of expand on that in a way that was entertaining, no one has been able to hit that Venn diagram in the same way that John Madden was able to do. And then that translates into the video game. And I firmly believe the NFL is not in the spot that it is in right now without the Madden video game franchise. And I also firmly believe that the NFL is not in the spot that it's in right now if that is NFL Live 1999 from EA Sports, or if it's whatever, um, it's it needed to be him. He was the personality that at points was bigger than the game of football, and that is now how another generation of football fans has learned about the sport of football and has grown to appreciate the the nuances of the sport of football. And that's why when when we talk about um, different like the the new debate. And the, the new area I think that needs a John Madden is analytics. And the problem with analytics has been every, it becomes a debate right away. And it becomes a, oh, you dumb fuck. You don't know that you're supposed to go for two when you, you score a touchdown when you were down 14. I apologize. Your mother should be in jail for dropping you so many times as a child. You stupid idiot. Like the, that is how the discussion comes across. Or you have it the other way where... You have guys who play football their whole life being like, oh, these nerds are ruining the sport that I gave my blood, sweat, and tears to. How dare these assholes do this to me? You don't have any nuance on either side. And John Madden was able to have these discussions, not the analytics discussion, obviously, but he was able to have the discussions, explain the strategies that were going on without A, talking down to you, or B, making it entertaining. And then in the video game, because you have him being that and kind of the, the teacher for this football, uh, for, for the sport, sorry. And the, this larger than life personality, all of it attracts you to the, the video game that if he's not on it, it doesn't do as well. And if it doesn't do as well, the NFL isn't doing as well. It, it's just, it, it's a remarkable impact. And I think I'm talking around in circles now, but I just, I, I truly believe that he was revolutionary on three different fronts. And it's so tough to do that on even one. And again, when you hear the discourse around, football today it's just it's so cringy and we, we now madden gave us the foundation 
that this sport has been built upon. I think we now need the Romos and some of these guys, the, the Nate Burleson, who does a great job on some of the TV broadcasts of taking analysis now to another level. We have a new crop of fans that it's just, it's not enough to say, oh, well, they're playing cover two. So that means they got two safeties back. So that means there's more room to run the ball. And like, it, it, it's not enough to say, oh, well, here's the, the hole in the, the zone. We called it the turkey hole or whatever the fuck. And like it, we now know this shit, right? Like we, we know what a stunt is. We know a, a number of different situations. We now need the next Madden to, to come in and take that over. And every sport now needs um, a John Madden. Baseball, I think, needs it desperately as we go into a new era of analytics and a new era of being able to watch everything. It's no longer enough to just have the color commentator basically redo play-by-play on a replay. We need more than that now. And the reason we need more than that is John Madden because he gave us everything he had for basically his entire football life. And because of that, we are all smarter football fans and football is in a much better place because of John Madden. I think the CFL desperately needs a John Madden and I think the entire sports world needs another John Madden. Uh, a legacy that cannot be overstated. It's just, it's it's crazy that he's gone. And it's crazy... <laughs> It's just, it's great that people are now recognizing the true impact that this guy had. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you all so, 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 so much for downloading. We are looking to do a whole lot more with this show coming up in 2022. If you, if there's anything that you want us to touch on, anything that, uh, I keep saying us, it's me. Um, If there's anything you want to hear more of, if there's anything you want to hear less of, if there's something that you think we should try, don't hesitate. Find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at PrimetimeKlein. Twitch.tv, going to be doing a lot more on Twitch this year. Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. A huge shout out to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions, the studio sponsor for Couch Potato Diary. If you sign up with Clearwater Cleaning Solutions to become a regular residential client or a commercial client, we offer a 10% discount on your first month. If I can stay awake, we're going to have another Wrestle Kingdom show coming at you tomorrow morning and then tomorrow early-ish morning into the afternoon we're going to have another one of these shows and then we're going to have the big football preview coming back on Friday so still a lot to get to this week again thank you all so much hope you had an amazing holidays and uh, I wish you all nothing but the happiest of New Year's as we head into 2022 I'm out